While the ushers are coming, let me just share with you that this is our regular Sunday morning tithe and offering. At the end of the service, we're going to be receiving a special love offering for the Andersons and Rural Compassion that we are blessed to have with us today. So you'll want to be prepared for that. How many of you like to issue challenges to people? How many of you like to say, I dare you? You know, a couple of weeks ago, I read to you this passage, and it's just been going over and over in my mind since I read it to you, found in Malachi 3. And it's God speaking through the prophet. And he said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Now listen to this. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. And then he says, try it. Put me to the test. (laughs) No. No. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe. And then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight. Wow. If all the people of God would just listen to that and take it seriously, maybe we'd see America blessed again. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, again, as we've already said over and over this morning, you are great, you are amazing. And Lord, you are, you are so amazing that whatever you speak will come into being. And Lord, you have put this challenge forth to your people, both in the day that it was spoken and in every age since, that if we will be but obedient to you, you will bring blessing to the degree that we can't even contain it. And so, Lord, bless these gifts this morning. Multiply them to meet every need of your church in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we do anything else, I want to share with you that this next Thursday evening is our next evening of worship and prayer. We've had now two of these. This will be the third month uh, in a row that we've, we've had this. It's simply a gathering together of pastors and congregations from throughout our community to just take a time to worship and to pray for our community. How many of you think that's important? We've had two great, uh, two great, uh, evenings already. And this one is going to be at South Church of God at 635 South Washington. Pastor Professor, let me try that again. Pastor Persephone Fuller is the great pastor. If you've not met Persephone, she is a powerhouse. And uh, you, we'd love for y'all to be there. It starts at seven o'clock again this Thursday, May the 9th, South Church of God. You know, there are just some partnerships that 
have added significance. And um, when we decided to partner with Rural Compassion, that was one of the best decisions this church has ever made, in my opinion. Uh, we have been blessed so much by uh, not only the, the, the things that Rural Compassion has supplied for us, but especially by being able to partner in the ministry of Kent and Judy Anderson. And they are here with us this morning and just so delighted to have them. And I, can I just say this? We, we, uh, we support a lot of mission endeavors. This one here, in my opinion, applies to our church and our community more than any other. Because we are, we are a rural area. How many of you figured that out by now? Yeah. And you know what? Uh, as Kent said in our Sunday school class this morning, you meet someone at the point of their need. And you do it in the name of Jesus. You have an opportunity that nothing else will ever present you with. And, and so we are doing our best, Kent and Judy, to, to meet people's needs in practical ways. But come and, and share with us this morning. Let's welcome Kent to the pulpit this morning. God bless you, my friend. Love you too, bud. It is. Pastor Terry, thank you so much. Wow. Judy and I, we, we just, we love coming here, and uh, we're like bad pennies. We'll show up, probably. We may show up again. You never know about us. But it is, it is just, uh, it is an honor to be here. We want you to know that. Uh, thanks, Pastor Terry and Brenda, for the opportunity to come and, and share this morning. Uh, thank you, Trinity Faith, for your faithfulness, for your friendship, for your prayers, for your monthly support. Uh, you, you really have enabled us to live out our dream from God, and our dream from God is to work full-time in rural America, and we've been able to do that uh, thanks to you and, and certainly other churches and, and other partners, but you've been a huge part of helping us, uh, as they say, stay on the road. I believe that with all of uh, my heart, and Judy feels the same. We are U.S. missionaries with Rural Compassion. I actually have, I am bearing gifts Okay, so um, I saw Brenda. I know. Oh, there, Brenda. There's girly stuff in here for you. Okay, but it's not just for uh, for Brenda. I've got some other things here. Now, if if you're new to the if you didn't you weren't here the last time I was here, one of these isn't going to be a surprise, but it's too good not to give out. Because I'm rural. I'm as rural as you get, and I can prove it in just a couple of moments here. But one of the gifts that I'm going to give your pastor, it's rural candy, and he's the only pastor in America, maybe the world, that gets this one, and it's a candy cow pie. Some of you remember that or not. Maybe you don't remember that, okay? I just cow pied your pastor. Now, if you don't know what a cow pie is, you are not rural, Okay. If you don't know what it is, look it up. I mean, Google it. You can do that. Okay, what pies are to cows, apples are to horses, all right? I also have horse apples for you, okay? If you don't know what that is, Google it, and you'll find out, all right? And then this co same company come out with one other thing. You've heard of Butterfingers, right? You heard of that? Okay, let's get rural then with the candy. How about Utterfingers, all right? So there you go. <laughs> You've, you've got enough candy. Well, don't eat it all at one time. You'll get pimples again. Um, I don't know. Did I give you this book the last time, your next 24 hours? 
Okay, well then, uh, this is yours. It's the latest book by the CEO or president of uh, Convoy of Hope. I've got some T-shirts in here and different things. Of course, the the good old uh, girly stuff. And then I got one other thing that I'd like to present to you. It and this is good and rural. This might be redneck. Okay, um, a Bubba cup. In in Texas, they call it a redneck yeti. Okay, so I want you to have that too. So. Uh, so uh, it's like Christmas came early there. For, you don't even need to have Christmas now. So you can just close her down. I would encourage you to continue to have it. Some of you may or may not know this, but I pastored uh, from 1994 to 2001 in Garden City, Kansas. And so uh, Terry's mom and dad, uh, brother, a lot of kin there in Garden City. Is that a safe way to say it? Okay. And so I, I love the Engler family. And so we've had this other connection beyond the, the ministry side of things over the year. And I've known Terry and Brenda for years. But I can tell you this, you got some great pastors here. And uh, you, you, you know, love on them, encourage them, do what they say. And uh, I'm telling you, you got some great things going on here. I mean, I see a lot of new faces here, so uh, that which is really encouraging, and uh, we're just believing that God's going to take us to the next level. In fact, since the last time I've been here, I've got the family picture up here. We've had an addition to our family. The older girls are mine. The guys have married into the family. Those of you who are grandparents will get this. Just look at my grandkids. Forget everybody else. But we've got Tyson arrived, uh, and uh, the deal about Tyson now he's a lot older, and he's he's like a butterball turkey right now. I call it, he's got thunder thighs, but that's a whole nother story. He's a little, he's quite the new addition to our family. I told you I was rural. About six, seven years ago, I had my cousin driving through Nebraska, basically up where I lived, and he said this, you can go to that slide. He, he said this, you know how many people live in Monowai, Nebraska? I said, no, how many live in there now? He said, six. I said, oh, take a picture. A few years after that, he drives through Monowai, Nebraska again. He, I said, how? he said, hey, Kent, you know how many people live in Monowai, Nebraska? And I said, no, how many? He said, two. I said, take a picture of it. Then finally, about just a couple of years ago, he drives through again. He calls me, and this is Monowai, Nebraska now, population one. Can you get any more rural than that? It was a husband and wife, and the husband passed away. Uh, Elsie, uh, you can see me, I'm there with Elsie. But you can't get much more rural than that. That's the county I lived in, Boyd County. There's another town in Boyd County, Gross, Nebraska. I guess that speaks for itself. You don't want to live there, I'm guessing. But it's only population two, okay? And then here's some rural advertising for a cafe. I'm hoping we're not going there after church, Pastor Terry. Eat here, get get gas and worms. I mean, take that for what it's worth. But that, that's nice and rural, isn't it? Go to that next slide. One of the great things that we don't think about regarding Jesus is this. Jesus was a small-town guy. He grew up in a small town. He lived in, he was born in a small town. And I really like this verse here where Jesus says this. Let's go somewhere else to the small towns that are nearby. I have to spread the good news in them also. That's why I've come. Jesus would be just as comfortable and liberal as he would be in Wichita in Kansas City. Because he went to the small towns. Some of these small towns that we've been a part of, we actually work in Totesuck, Arkansas, but there's an Idiotville, Oregon, a Looneyville, West Virginia, and a Ding Dong, Texas. Some of these little towns are just unbelievable, right? And uh, so we, we love the small town. Small towns have a culture of their own, meaning this. What ministry-wise works in liberal probably wouldn't work in Wichita and Kansas City. You follow me on this? 
And so that's really part of what we do. We, we want to help these small town pastors and rural pastors engage in their community in a way that fits for them. And so many of these rural situations, they really haven't had help or assistance. And, you know, we're, we're just proud to be a part of, of helping. You can go to that next slide. We believe this, small towns, big possibilities. I believe this all in my heart, and I believe it, it needs to be the case. How about this? God needs to do amazing things in America. Huh? Or as Acts 1.8 says, the you know, Holy Spirit come upon, and first they were witnesses in Jerusalem. That was hometown. We've got to be a witness in our hometown. Very important that that's the case. That's kind of what our heart is all about. But God also needs to do amazing things in the great state of Kansas. And he definitely needs to do amazing things in the city or town called Liberal, right? So we've got to personalize anything and everything that comes our way. We just can't say we believe in missions and think, you know, across the ocean, which we need to think across the ocean, but we can't forget hometown America. And so that's, again, that's really what our heart and soul is. Our emphasis is we want to teach, train, and resource these three things. We want to teach, train, and resource rural pastors and churches so they'll be more intentional and systematic in their outreach efforts. That's what our heart is. How can we help the rural church connect outside the four walls? I, I know you'll, you, you'll uh, agree with me on this. What happens inside the four walls of the church is very important. Do you agree? But God blesses us on the inside, so we make a difference on the outside. If the only thing that happens in our church is inside the four walls, then I say it this way. We're having a hallelujah hoedown. I'm all for hallelujah hoedowns, but they must affect us outside the four walls of the church. Or basically, we're just kind of hugging the blessings. And if we don't give them away, you know what happens? We sit on the blessings, and they end up souring. And we don't want that in our light. We want the blessings to continue to flow in and out of our lives. Part of what we do is we do trainings. And last time we were here, we did a church-wide training. Some of you were a part of that. But uh, we also do weekend trainings where we gather rural pastors from all church flavors together. Uh, usually 20 to 25 rural pastors. And we talk about some of the things we did in the church-wide training. We talk about assessing need, meeting needs. We talk about developing good relationships outside the four walls of the church. We talk about becoming the best friend of your school system, community involvement. Oftentimes, there's a convoy of Hope truck. Uh, there you can see a picture of one back in the background that are part of the training. Uh, semi sometimes are there, so 30, 40 pallets of product. Um, and uh, we give the product to the pastors. They take it home. We want to teach them about outreach, but we also want to put something in the hands of the local church to bless the community because that's part of it. We've got to be hands-on believers in our community. So that's really what uh, kind of our main focus is, training on outreach, helping churches go to the next level when it comes to outreach. The verse that we use in our uh, trainings, but I like to use, you can go to that next slide, that I, I like to use, oh, whoops, I guess I went ahead of myself. One of the things we've got to ask ourselves this is, how, how engaged is the American church outside the four walls of the church. And this kind of gives us a little bit of, a, of an indication of, of where we're at as far as engagement is concerned. 
It says, and this is one a fact, I guess, 60% of church members in the United States believe that the primary purpose of the church is to provide fellowship for one another rather than to reach those who are unchurched. And we wonder where we are, where we are, as far as Christianity is concerned in America because it says this, nearly three quarters of Christians in American churches believe that fellowship is the number one thing. Fellowship is very important, but the bottom line here is we are here today for the people that aren't here yet. Huh? We are here to touch people's lives with the message of Christ. That's why God planted us where we are. Should we have good fellowship? Absolutely. But that isn't the end all. The end all is reaching people for Christ. That has to be the heartbeat of the church, and it has to be the heartbeat of every believer under the sound of my voice. Now, so we've got to ask ourselves this then, if Christ is the one we follow, then what kind of impact did Christ make while he was on earth? Let's try this one now. Okay, here we go. This is, this, somebody did this study, well, it's a guy by the last name of Johnson, of the contacts that Jesus made in the Gospels. I thought this was rather fascinating. Of the 132 contacts that Jesus had with people recorded in the New Testament, six were in the temple, four were in the synagogue, 122 were in the mainstream of life. Do you see something here? Here's the bottom line. And the bottom line is simply this. That is, Jesus was touching people's lives anywhere and everywhere that he went. Did he, did he throw the net out as such in uh, the church house? Well, obviously he did, according to this. He certainly did, but it looks like he threw the net out anywhere and everywhere that he went, right? Think about the storylines in the gospel. In fact, I've got a net here. Judy, if you want to throw it to me. Last time I believe I had this net, probably you might remember him, you maybe don't, but John 21, 6 basically says, throw out the net and see what happens. So anytime we minister to someone, in essence, we're throwing out the net. Okay, so I want us to kind of think about it in that way. But Jesus was a net thrower. Think about it. He threw out the net on the beach. He shared the gospel. He threw out the net literally out of the boat, both, both fishing, but he also preached out, out the, at, the, at the end of a boat. He threw the net out in a cemetery. Remember that storyline? How about this one? He threw the net up a tree with Zacchaeus. Remember that? Anywhere and everywhere that he went, he was constantly throwing out the net. And we as his followers need to have that same mindset that we're willing to take the net, so to speak, with us each and every day, and we're willing to throw out the net. What we've come to find out is people and churches that are throwing out the net are gathering fish. How can we gather fish if we don't throw the net out? So that's the question of the day. Are we individually and collectively as a church, are we throwing out the net? I think it's a legitimate question. Go to that next slide. I call this the barn syndrome. It's something that I think especially the, the uh, American church deals with. And sometimes uh, some churches are, are more successful than others when it comes to the net throw. But I grew up in, um, again, Nebraska cornfields all over the place where I grew up anyway. But I can tell you this. I never once saw a Nebraska farmer, when it was time to harvest the corn, I never once saw a Nebraska farmer that I know of 
Go to the combine that was in, in the barn, get in the combine, start it up, and then just roll that combine inside the barn, up and down and all around to get the harvest. No, they always take the combine where? To the fields to where the harvest is. And one thing in American Christianity that I see, we expect people to come to us when biblically, Scripture says, highway and byway, church, we go to them. And I believe that it's almost killed the American church when we think that people should come to us. When you unlock the doors, and you, you know what? you got a beautiful facility here. Your worship is great. I know Pastor Terry can preach. You can have all the elements that are good. It does not mean one person is going to walk through that door if we aren't throwing out the net throughout the week. I believe the biggest and best efforts of Christianity in the most important time in the calendar of the Christian church is not necessarily on Sundays, even though Sundays are important and I come to church on Sunday, but Sundays equip so that we can throw out the net throughout the week. The Sunday through Sunday, what happens in the life of Christians in a church, that's the key to church growth in many ways. What are we doing on Monday after the Sunday equipment day where Pastor Terry equips us? What are we doing with what we have received? I believe that it's so very important. Go to that next slide. Here's a, a verse actually used in the Sunday school class. I told them there to be surprised if you see it again. Mark 10, 45, why Jesus came to planet Earth. And certainly it was to die, the most important, to die for our sins. But we forget about the practical side of things. Jesus came into the world not to be what? But to what? And it says, give his life a ransom for many. The bottom line is, Jesus, if you read the Gospels, he served his way into the lives of of people, and it opened up the door to share his way in. Think about the feeding of the 5,000. At that point in time, they didn't need a sermon. They needed bread in their stomach. And so he met their physical need. Then he had the opportunity to share. And so we've got to realize that we need to be practical as believers. Every time we do something as simple as giving out a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, we help make the kingdom of God visible. Man, if there was ever a time that we needed to be Jesus with skin on, it's today. Because there's something about when we truly act like Jesus, it attracts people to the faith. It does not turn people off for the most part. There's something about that that opens the door. I love this quote here. Save people serve. That's a given. I mean, if we're truly saved, it just that's a given that we should be serving. And serve people often gets I mean, and serve people often get saved. Isn't that the truth? Most of us came to Jesus because somebody loved us into the kingdom, not because somebody hit us over the head with a Holy Ghost billy club. Think about this. You came to Jesus because of a net throw, right? But it wasn't, I told the Sunday school class, it wasn't one net throw. It was a series of net throws, typically. It's not just the first net throw where somebody typically comes to the Lord. Here's how it happens. You're love, love, serve, love, love, serve, 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 love, love, serve, serve, love, love, love. And boom, it happens, right? I mean, it's a series of touches in people's lives. And that's the important thing for us to realize. It's not a one and done net throw. We got to continue to do that to reach people for the cause of Christ. 
They're most effective, I believe this, when we serve our way into our world. And this is what I like about it. If we're going to do ministry, why not do it the Jesus way? Because the Jesus way should work, right? If it's the Jesus way. And he served his way into people's lives. I believe sometimes we have just forgotten the basics of Christianity. And the basics is we'll never go wrong when we love people like Jesus loved people. And that was with no strings attached. You're here today because somebody loved you with no strings attached. Isn't that amazing? So we need to reciprocate that. It seems like it only makes sense that that's the case. Let's go to that next slide. This is one of my, this is, I use this in the Sunday school class, but um, I, in fact, I was going to take it out. Now I'm glad I didn't because Pastor Terry said, oh, he likes that one. Uh, but this one is not an amen. This is more of an oh me. And that is a true mark of spiritual maturity occurs when the church takes off its bib and puts on an apron. Can we all say ouch? But it is true. I, I mean, I pastored for 27 years before the, becoming a U.S. missionary the last 15 years. And when I pastored, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I had people that had been Christians for years, years, and they still had a bib on. And they didn't even want to put an apron on. Lord, help us. I mean, the beauty of Jesus was he washed dirty feet and he didn't have to. I mean, the time when we can put the apron on and figuratively start washing the dirty feet of people around us, that's the time when our faith, I believe, becomes most attractive. I believe that with all of my heart. Um, I think I used this one the last time I was here. Um, I call it rural theology, and it, you're going to remember this, I think, if you were here a couple of years ago. Cowpie theology. I'm really into cowpies, Pastor Terry. I've got to get off this, but it is. Church people are like manure. Spread them out, and they help everything grow better. Pile them up, and they stink things up. It's, it is true. The moment we pile up as a church congregation, we start thinking about us, we start thinking about our style, our preferences, this, that, and the other. We pile up and we stink it up. We are at our best when we're scattered, when we're not thinking about ourselves, when we're willing to serve. Think about it this way. Think about the times you've served and maybe you served and you were, it was obvious the person that you were serving was in really dire straits, okay? They, you could tell they were needy. Isn't this the amazing thing about serving? I've done this, and I don't know how many times I've walked away feeling like this. When I left that opportunity to serve, I think I felt better than the person that I served. Why? Because it is a Jesus deal. That's why we got to be servants. Huh? I'm going to pat myself on the back. It's not bad preaching for a fat little Nebraska boy. But it's the truth, isn't it? Think about the times you're most fulfilled as a believer. I can guarantee you it goes back to this idea you were given away from yourself. And again, it's biblical, and it's what Jesus was all about. Go to that next slide. Here, here's just a couple of examples. I love to tell stories of churches that, you know, they come to a training, get together, they pray, and then God gives them insight on where to throw the net out. The one over to uh, the left is, uh, this is a church in Kentucky. They came to a training and they just started praying together. You know, God, give us something that we can do in our community to, to throw the net out. 
And so I think sometimes when we do that, God can give us direction in kind of creative ways. Well, bottom line to this, a couple of the church members, they still in this Kentucky town still have what is called the town dump. We have that added that in Butte. I don't know if it's there anymore, but they just bring their trash and throw it in, a, in an area. And uh, a couple of the church people were there, and they noticed some of the elderly were coming there, and they could hardly pull things out of the pickup in their back of their car. And so they went to basically the garbage coordinator in, in the area and just said, could we as a church, could we just come on Saturdays when you're open, be there for a few hours, and could we help with just this process of throwing the people's garbage in the dump? He was like, have at it. Fine with me. Do whatever you want. And so this was the cool thing. They're praying. They're deciding this is what we want to do. And it was a newer Christian. It's always good to have fresh new Christians in amongst you. And uh, they were praying, and the new Christian said, I got the name of our new ministry. I know what the name should be. And they go, oh, what is it? And this is, I thought this was great. He goes, he goes trash talkers. <laughs> Get that one? The pastor actually said this to one of our, our RC uh, missionaries. He said, I think as far as I know, it's the first time in Christianity, in all of Christianity, that five people have been led to the Lord by trash talking. <laughs> if we actually trash talk the way we think that it is, we'll, we'll not bring anybody to Jesus. I might add that to it. But isn't that amazing? They throw the net out and God opens the door for them. On the right side is, uh, I call it after the storm ministry, but it's a church that we work with in uh, Grosbeck, Texas. I think I'll, I'll end with a storyline on this too. But they came to a, a training. They had like uh, 10 people in the church at the time, but I won't give everything away till the end on that one. But they decided we want to throw the net out. We want to engage in the community. And so he decided to go to the city manager. And didn't know him, but he thought that'd be a good way to find out what's going on in town and how they could help. It was a very inward church, so they didn't know what was going on in the community. So he goes to the city manager and says, I'm such and such, I'm such and such a church. What can we do to bless the community? And the city manager says to him, John, I've had churches for 25 years tell me they're going to do something they never do. You're not going to do anything either. That's how he started. And so he just, he talked to him some more and he just interrupted him. John, no church in town is doing anything in the community. You won't do anything else. You can't disappoint me. So after about 15 minutes, finally, the city manager said to John, and he kind of said it perturbed, but he said, okay, why don't you have your church do this? He said, when storms come through uh, the community, limbs are on the ground. Um, If people don't pick up their limbs within a week, we come out, pick it up, and we charge that resident $250, and we charge them. And it's mostly older people. So he said this to him, why don't you and your church folks go pick up sticks? And he said, okay, I'll go back to the church and see if that's something that we can do. As he's leaving the place, he goes, hey, John. And John turns around. He goes, John, you can't disappoint me because you're not going to do anything. They get together, they start praying, and they feel like, even though they don't have very many people, they thought, we got enough that we can pick up some sticks. We can't do everything, but we'll try. In that meeting, they're praying. A newer Christian in the group says, hey, I got the name of our new ministry at the church, which was really the only ministry that they had at the time was this. And they go, oh, what is it? I loved it. It was like, he goes, stormtroopers. Isn't that a great one? And so here they go. A couple storms come through. They're picking up sticks. He thought, hey, I'm just going to go back 
to the city manager and just check in with him. He comes. He just, it's a smaller town, so he could go straight to him, knocks on the door. Door opens. He's walking through the door. City manager looks up, sees Pastor John. He begins to weep. He said, I cannot believe you actually did. I'm telling you, serving makes impact on people's lives. Don't ever tell me it doesn't. And not serving makes impacts on people's lives because nothing's going to happen. And so we've got to understand that this is how God works in and through our lives, I believe, most effectively. Go to that next slide. I know that one of the great things that you do as a church, you have a single ministries um, outreach, and I really believe that's so very important. So many single individual or moms these days that they do need the support of the local church. So I thought, I'll tell you another story just to encourage you to keep on keeping on. And I think we do backpacks or help with the backpack side and probably some of the resourcing we bring you, you probably use that too. But this was in Arizona. Again, it was a, a church that went to a training. They came back and started praying about what to do. They researched the community and actually they found out they had a very high rate of single moms in their community, much higher than the national average. Nobody was helping single moms in the town. It just seemed like, hey, that would be a good net throw, okay? The bottom line is we're responsible for contact, not conversion, but we are responsible for contact. So we are responsible for the net throw. And so they decided, let's throw the net out towards single moms. And one of the things they did, I think it's similar to maybe what you do, but they just had a single mom's day. That was one of the things of the many different ideas that they came up with to throw the net out. And in this case, they decided, you know, we'll invite single moms from the community to come in. And I think after church, they had a meal for the single moms, did a makeover, washed the car, you know, those kind of things. And then they had ministry, special ministry uh, for the kids. And the pastor said, you know what? It was like a week or so before he goes, I don't even know if anybody's going to show up, but I'm telling you, it was so good for our church to have this idea of working together for a cause that it's been great for us. Well, the bottom line is they more than tripled the size of their church on single moms day 15 single moms came with their kids and at the end of the service the pastor threw out the net in the form of an altar call seven of those single moms came forward and gave their heart to the to the lord is now that's a pretty good net throw isn't it we never know what can happen after we throw out the net. But again, nothing will happen if we aren't throwing out the net. And I'm telling you, corporately as a church, we need to be throwing out the net. But individually in our daily lives, we need to be throwing out the net. I believe that. Go to that next slide. We, we really do believe in resourcing rural churches. And I know that's part of our partnership with you, and we'll continue to do that. On the left is the backpacks. And uh, again, if you need any, let us know, Pastor Terry, because we'll, we'll help you with backpacks. You may not know this, but Judy and I, we love riding bikes, and so much so that we decide, hey, if we're going to ride bikes, we just will raise some money. And so every uh, year over Labor Day in September, we'll go on a bike ride of 250 miles. And uh, basically, we raise funding for backpacks. So we'll raise anywhere from 10000 to, I think our high was around $20,000 for backpacks. So again, we can purchase the backpacks and get them into the hands of rural churches so that they can do maybe a back-to-school event or a single mom's event, in your case, just so they have something in their hands for them to bless their community. In some cases, some of these churches that we work with, the 
the senior pastor is bivocational, meaning he, the church doesn't have enough funding to pay the pastor a full-time salary, so they have to work somewhere else to kind of pay their ministry the, the way they, so they can do ministry. So in those cases, those churches, they don't have any money in an outreach fund or any extra money. So our heart is, let's raise the funding, get them in their hands so they can do their thing and not have to worry about the finances side of things. So we do that every year and love to get, again, these backpacks in the hands of, of uh, rural churches. Another thing that we do is uh, we like to help rural churches to focus on the heroes in their community. I got a couple samples of uh, police Bible and uh, firefighter Bible back there. But we've come to find out, especially in smaller communities, if, if the church can focus and build that relationship with the heroes, the firefighters, the police, the EMS, and then work towards maybe doing something like a hero day. Have you, you have done, okay, all right. I, I, oh, that's right. You're giving me, that's right. I knew that. So you've done that. But the bottom line to this, what that is, and a lot of times people don't realize, what you're doing is you're throwing the net, for one, making the contact, right? And the other thing is you're building a relationship that can make a difference in people's lives for eternity. Um, I'll tell this story. This one just happened, and it's kind of got an unusual twist to it. Um, uh, church, it was a church in Illinois. pastor came to a, a training came back, talked to uh, the church. They decided, man, we want to bless the firefighters. The fire chief had been the fire chief there for over 30 years. And he was kind of a grump of a guy. It's kind of, and he admitted, I'm rude and I'm crude. But he told Pastor Jason, you wouldn't find a nicer guy on the face of the earth than Pastor Jason. He told Pastor Jason, I can tell you this straight up. You're a, a do-gooder and you're never going to come, ever come into our fire station. Pastor Jason just continued to love on him. In fact, the firefighters knew that the church wanted to help him. And so the firefighters just basically said, hey, let's just meet off campus. And uh, if you can help us, help us. So the church was kind of helping him on the side. And the fire chief came to him one day. I know what you're doing. You're never, ever going to get into the fire station. Well, this just happened a few months ago. Pastor Jason gets a call from the fire chief's wife. And basically, that fire chief just dropped over dead suddenly. And uh, now, this isn't, the, this isn't the moral of the story, you know, try to pray him out. They didn't. They weren't doing that, okay, just so that's the case. Um, but the wife calls him and says this, would you do the funeral for my husband? And he, he even said he, he didn't know what to say back. Initially, he was kind of like, the guy hated me. I mean, that's what his first thought was. The guy didn't even like me, I, as far as I knew. And she said this. She said, he talked about you all the time at home. And he said this. He's the only pastor in town that cares about our town. Isn't that amazing? And we don't know what happened when he, when, how he died. You'd never know. Maybe he gave his heart to the Lord. I don't know that. That's, that's a God deal between him and God, right? But here's the ironic twist. The funeral was at the fire station. You'll never get into my fire station. 400 people were at the funeral, and he presented the gospel there. Isn't that amazing? Things like that don't happen if we aren't throwing out the net. You aren't going to have a testimony if you aren't willing to flip the net out. Huh? And so we've got, I think American churches have missed opportunities time and time again just because they're not willing to give it a shot. 
Because a net throw is an act of faith. It's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we'll be God-pleasers when we throw the net out. Go to that next slide. Oh, here's a quick, I'll tell a cu- two more stories, and I'll wrap things up. Maybe three. You never know about me. Here, becoming best friend of the school. I don't know if I told this story or not last time, but we got enough new people here. If I told it, you'll remember it. But again, we'd say, hey, churches, throw the net out towards your local, local school. Find out what, what needs to be done at the school and see if maybe you could be of help in meeting that need. Uh, we had a church um, in Iowa that went to the principal and basically said, hey, we got access to backpacks. Would that be a blessing to the, to the school? And the principal said, oh, Backpacks might be, but that's pretty well covered. He said, what we need, we need underwear. So we got dozens of kids coming to school without underwear on, and the principal said, wasn't a style statement. It's because the parents don't have enough money to put underwear on their kids. So I just get this picture in my mind. Here the pastor and uh, the leader that was with him, they throw the net out in the form of backpacks, and God blows it to underwear. And so they said, this is too big of an open door. It was a God deal. So you can see what they do. They have undie Sunday. And this is a very conservative church. So this makes it even funnier, in my opinion, anyway. You've got to know the church. And so they collect underwear. And uh, I don't, you can't quite read it, so that's probably good. Anyway, their marketing is this. On one of those, it says, please drop your drawers here. You can say what you want to. That's flat out funny. But it also reads, please drop your drawers here in Jesus' name. I'm not even going there. But anyway, the point is I told the pastor, I go, Pastor, you know what you're going to be known for in town, don't you? And he kind of giggled. And I said, First Church of the BVDs. Man, I'd rather be known as the underwear church than the church in town that's fighting over the color of the carpet, than the church in town that's having worship wars. And there are churches that fight over the carpet and style and preference and all that stuff. Hey, if we're going to fight over that, let's stay home and watch Andy Griffith. Most, I'm going off track here, but I'll do it quick. Most churches that have difficulties, it is not a doctrinal issue. It is a style issue. So what I say is simply this, get over it. If it's a doctrinal issue, go after it. If it's a style issue, get over it. That's good preaching. has nothing to do with outreach, but it, well, it does too, because if we're not getting along, nobody's going to come into these doors. Send them to some other church that's doing something, because you'll mess them up. Huh? It's true. I remember talking to my mom. God, she's in heaven today. She was in her 80s at that time, and she was struggling with some things. And I remember then finally she made this comment, and and it really hit me. She goes, you know, it's probably not everything that I want, but I want to go to a church where my kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids will love it because I'm gone. I want to leave a legacy. I'm more concerned about my kids and grandkids than I am me. And I think sometimes we've got to kind of swallow hard and realize we need to set us older folks. I'm over 60 We need to set the stage for the future of this church. Huh? I mean, it's so very important. Go to that last slide. I better 
Get off that one, even though it's good. Here's a living proof church. This is a church in Grosbeck, Texas. When they came, that was the storyline of the stormtroopers. Remember that storyline? That was Pastor John and Marissa. Great people. Um, again, they, when they came through the training, their church was running a, a whopping 10, 12 people. Uh, the town's uh, 4,300, as says there. Um, the church had a terrible reputation in town. Um, and then when he candidated, while he was preaching, he could look off to the right and could see leaves on the trees. Some of the nice neighbor had been shooting blunt end arrows through the walls of the church. So not only was it a small church, they weren't getting along all the way as they should, bad reputation, the building was a mess. But this also happened. He gets a call a couple of weeks after he's been voted in and, and candidated, and, and uh, the district, basically, a, a leader over him calls in and says, uh, John, are you at Living Proof Church in Grosbeck? He said, yeah, I got voted in a few weeks ago. He goes, I guess the church didn't get trickled down. We closed the church. Now, you can't get many more negative odds than that, right? Don't you feel better about your church already, huh? I mean, here's a, here's a, he had nothing. They had nothing. No money, no, and, but they came to a training, they decided this, desperate times calls for desperate measures, and they just decided, we're just going to throw the net. Good catch. Yeah, that was a good throw. And so they start throwing the net. One of them was to the stormtroopers, which kind of opened the door uh, for them. They also threw the net uh, towards the local school. And this is only like seven years. You've got to understand this. They have put new shoes on basically every child in the community. They are the first call from the local school. When they have an issue, they call Living Proof Church. Isn't that amazing? The principal just called him last year, and they're doing it again this year. He said this. He said, John, can you provide graduate Bibles for every one of the graduating seniors? And would you mind putting their name on that Bible? Now, that is something from a church that was closed. Huh? And bad rep. They just got from the Chamber of Commerce business of the year last year. Isn't that amazing, huh? Because the storyline, John even said it kind of giggled to me because nobody knew who we were, but anybody that knew who we were didn't like us. That was like seven years ago. Now they run over 160 in church, and on Easter they have over 400 in church. I mean, I'm telling you, it's worth throwing out the net. Give God the opportunity in your life personally. And the other thing is they really connected with the firefighters. And I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just telling you this is what happened for them. So they threw the net out towards firefighters. They did things, you know, brought bottled water and coffee and donuts, you know, those kind of touches. And then they did do the Hero Day, and John became a volunteer firefighter. After he was there a while, the fire chief asked him to be the chaplain. You know, all those things kind of took place there. But when they did that initial Hero Day, he wasn't the chaplain yet, but the, the fire chief said this to John. And he was, a, he was a good guy. He just wasn't a church guy. But he said to John, he goes, I will come to the hero day because he was at the church. He said, I will come to the hero day, but it's one and out for me. I'm not a church guy. You probably wouldn't even want me there. And he said, I'm kind of rude and crude, but I don't care about church. I'll never connect in church. I will not come. I respect your church and you for helping the guys and gals that are part of my, my team. But I, he said, I'm not, I'm not going to come back. He's their worship leader now. 
That would have never happened if this church didn't go outside the four walls of the church, a highway and byway church, huh? If they didn't go to them to think that they're going to come to us, as I said before, it's, I'll be honest with you, it's borderline idiotic. No, we've got to go to them. And I'm not calling the idiots, okay? I'm, I'm just saying church in general. If we don't go to people, nothing happens. Isn't that amazing that that's the case? I, I mean, I love the opportunity to throw the net. So Pastor John's there now, and I mean, he's just seeing unbelievable things. Last thing that I'll tell you, and then I'll be quiet, and we'll have a word of prayer and turn it back over to Pastor Terry, is that, uh, you know, I told you about the building, holes in the walls and the whole, I mean, I've been there, we've been there now four or five times, and just seeing just some neat, the progress of the church. Well, they're doing all this through net throwing. There's a church in town on the other side of town that has actually a beautiful building, but they had went down to four people. And the four people, basically it was the leaders of the church and the attenders of the church, they'd been watching what Living Proof was doing, and they came to John. This was made now about a year and a half ago, I guess it was. They came to John and said, you know what? We'll never do what your church is doing, but we've been watching you, and don't think people are watching faith, uh, Trinity Faith. People do. And the, we've been watching you, and we've decided this. We're closing shop, but he, they said, we'd like to give you our church. A $1.25 million church. Isn't that amazing? But it started with picking up sticks. When's the last time you picked up a stick, proverbially? When's the last time you just done something that nobody else knows about other than the Lord? And I guarantee you, God keeps really good records. You just gave yourself. You put on the apron and you did the Jesus thing. I'm telling you, it's worth asking ourselves, and I believe this. It has to be done individually. It can't just be Pastor Terry and Brenda doing it and the church leaders. It's got to be something where we're all willing to pick up the net. Okay, God, bring somebody into my life today. I'll be willing to throw the net. I'll make the contact. You're responsible for the conversion. Could you bow your heads with me? I'd, I'd like for you just to consider this as your head's bowed, just be in prayer. You know, I, I see enough new people here. I, I guess I feel I'd be remiss in not doing this. You might be under the sound of my voice as your eyes are closed, head bowed. You might be under the sound of my voice and you're like, oh, I'm being the recipient of the net throws right now. And maybe you haven't made that firm commitment to Christ. Maybe you are in that place. You're saying, ah, that's me. But you know what? I, I need to just acknowledge the fact, Lord, I need you. And just with an uplifted hand, I'll just pray for you. But you're just, hey, that's me, Kent. Just with an uplifted hand, say, hey, that's me. And I'll pray with you as we close. Anyone? That's me. Sure. Appreciate that. Anybody else? Here's the second part to this as your head's bowed. You would be willing this week, each morning, as God brings it to your memory, and I believe He will, you'd be willing to say, my first prayer is going to be, God, help me be a net thrower today. Bring somebody into my life 
and I'll be willing to throw the net. It might take a lot of boldness, but I'm willing to throw it. If you bring somebody into my life as I'm at work, at school, grocery store, wherever that is, you just say, hey, Kent, I'm in. I'm, I'm in. I, I need and want to be a net thrower full time just with an uplifted hand. Say, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Uplifted hand. I'm in. Man, I'll tell you what, this is going to be a good week. This is going to be a good week. Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you, God, that you care, that you love us in detail. And I just pray right now, God, that the individual that is just saying, Lord, I I need you. God, right now, we give ourselves to you collectively. We just give ourselves to you again, afresh and anew. God, come into our lives. Change us from the inside out. We confess the fact that we sin. But, Lord, we need you to cover that. And, God, you've done that through Christ. So, Lord, we just pray, touch us on the inside. Make us a new person, as your word says you will. And we allow you to do that. We also pray this prayer. God, I am willing to throw the net this week. Give me an opportunity, God, as I awaken each day. Lord, I'm praying that you will bring to our remembrance this whole idea. God, send us somewhere where somebody needs to be a recipient of a net throw. So, Lord, whether it's somebody that already has come to our mind that maybe we just have been reluctant to throw the net to, maybe it's going to be a divine interruption to our day. Whatever that is, Lord, we're just telling you we are willing to do that. We want to serve our way into the lives of people. We believe it's going to open up the door to share our way in. We want to do ministry the Jesus way. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of Christ. We say, Amen. Well, consider yourself challenged. I want to just share something with you. Um, Obviously, most of you here know that we've been doing the Single Parent Care Day now for three years. The second year that we did it, we had 41 single parents. Last year, I think we had 32 single parents, but we had 71 kids. Is that somewhere in that number? They provided backpacks for every one of those kids. They did that first year as well. What a, what a great partnership. And, you know, at, at the church we pastored before we came here, uh, through, their, through Convoy of Hope and Rural Compassion's partnership with Tom's Shoes, we put new shoes on the feet of 112 kids in El Dorado. And, you know, Kent was talking about Jesus washing dirty feet. We had to go measure all of those kids' feet for the shoes. And then we delivered them. And see the looks on those kids' faces when we gave them a brand new pair of shoes. You talk about coming away feeling more rewarded than what they were. I understand that completely. And so, I I, I hope you get the underlying message. Through our partnership with Kent and Judy and Rural Compassion, Every one of these stories that he talks about where people's lives are touched and changed, we have an investment in that. We are investing in eternal, eternal lives. We are, de- we are a part of determining where these people will spend eternity. This is one of the greatest missions I've ever been a part of. 
And I want each and every one of us to be a part of it. Worship team, would you come, please? And ushers, would you uh, come once again? You can, if you'd like to make a check, you can make it to Trinity Faith Church, and then we will cut a check to Kent and Judy Rural Compassion. But this is a ministry worth investing in. Uh, I love missions. I love missions both foreign and domestic. But when it impacts people that we see every day of our lives, it means something. You know, Tim and, and some of the other guys, Jeremy, on Wednesday evenings have been giving product that Gary Salaska has gone to Springfield, Missouri, to that huge warehouse <laughs> in, in Springfield. And, and Gary's brought back palletfuls of supplies and, and food. And when I see Tim and, and Jeremy hand boxes of cereal to kids, and they're so excited... You know what? That's doing it in Jesus' name. A box of cereal may not excite some of us. But for a lot of kids, that means everything. And Gary has been going down there every six weeks, every eight mo- every two months, somewhere in that time frame. Been bringing back this product completely free of charge. We have blessed the LARC uh, domestic Violence Center with product. We blessed Stepping Stone Homeless Shelter with product. Countless people here in our own congregation have been blessed. And we do it in Jesus' name. No strings attached other than we're just being Jesus with skin on. What a great ministry. Lord Jesus, thank you for rural compassion convoy of hope. Thank you for Kent and Judy. Lord, I don't know, I don't have any idea how you birthed such a ministry in their hearts, but I'm so glad that you did. And Lord, I know that there are communities just like ours across this great country that are looking for ways with limited finance to be a blessing to their community. And Lord, somehow you found this tremendous idea of sending missionaries to rural America and to touch people at the point of their need. And so, dear Jesus, this morning, as we give once again, as we do every month in support of this ministry, but Lord, I'm praying that this offering this morning would change lives. I know it will. I have faith that it will in advance. And so, Lord, that requires that you do only what you can do. We, we can give, but, Lord, you take the gift and you apply it to lives that will spend eternity in heaven as a result of our investment. So bless it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.